Greetings, children, and welcome to my chamber. My name is Rotherick Gastblood, and I'm your host of Tales from the Dark Chamber. This week, we have a great show for you. Tales to make your skin crawl. Each week, my chambermate and I read a scary tale that we found on the internet, or perhaps left under some corpse. Either way, we think you're going to like it, and we're just dying for you to hear it. So sit right back, light a candle, and let's have a ghoul evening. your date. Uh, did you have a nice time? Oh, man, Rothrick. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> well, it sure sounds like it. Where did you go? Well, we first met at her work. She works at a hospital. Yeah, she's, well, I'm not sure what she does. But never mind. We met there at her work, and then after her shift was over, we went out to eat. Some place nice, I presume. Ah, oh, yeah. Chez Remoulard. You know, that fancy French restaurant downtown? Uh, not familiar, uh, but go ahead. Yeah, so after that, we took a long walk down the main street. How romantic. Yes, it does sound quite nice. And then... Well, there was one thing a bit puzzling, though. Oh? Yeah. See, every time we pass by Barrister's Field, you know the one near the edge of town. Very familiar with it. I do go on. Right. Well, you know, we were laughing and talking and really getting to know each other. But then when we got to the field, she insisted we turn around. Any reason why? No, not sure. I mean, I get not liking empty overgrown fields and all, but she really acted quite odd about it. Like she wanted to avoid passing by it at all together. Yes, I can see that being very odd. So, are you going to see her again? Yeah, I mean... Yes. Crazy thing is, she started to talk about that field as being where her butterflies live. She kept talking about how they transform from caterpillars into butterflies. Oh, well, Woody, don't be a ninny. You'd better keep your wits about you. Mm, why? Rumor has it that the field used to be haunted. Did you ever find out well, she lives? Uh, no. Why? Oh, well, just a feeling. Perhaps nothing. Mm, by chance, did she have a tattoo on her arm? Hmm, 
Not that I'm aware of. Well, if you do find one, let me know. Tattoo? Arm? Got it. Gosh, I hope she's not the haunted one. But that does remind me of tonight's story. We finish up The Caterpillar by Miss Paint Dordan. Seems our nice young girl in the tunnels comes back to John as he finds out more than he bargained for. Enjoy! Caterpillar, Part 2 by Miss Paint Dordan. The tunnels were dark. I was so tempted to turn on my phone just to grab a peek at my sister. I could already feel she was missing part of her right arm and her entire left leg. The entire place smelled like meat. Not death like a hospital or morgue. It smelled like a butcher shop. A place where meat is cleaned and made presentable. That was what the caterpillar creature was. An elaborate display of meat held together by some sort of unholy magic. Do you know why everyone wears clown masks? Z asked as we walked. It's not because we're scared. She grabbed my phone from my pocket and took off her mask. Z's long black hair was pulled into a ponytail. Her blue eyes sparkled in the dim light of my phone. I know you. You're Elle, the little girl from Walmart. My real name is Eliza. That's pretty. Not really. Vega named me that as a joke. I looked confused. Eliza Doolittle from My Fair Lady. You know, the story of how a low-class girl who gets taken in by some rich guy, he teaches her how to walk, talk, how to be his vision of a proper lady. Have you never seen the movie? I had heard of it, but the movie was before my time. And Tommy, or Vega, didn't seem like the kind of person who would be a fan of classic films. Is that what he is to you? He's your mentor? Not exactly. She rammed her shoulder into a seemingly random spot on the wall. What is he? That demon is my father. She rammed it again, revealing wood the color of the door. He's the reason I'm allowed to go shopping for supplies on the surface world. Slam! More of the wood was exposed. He wants me to become just like him. Slam! The entire door was visible. But your mother was human, I said. That was all I wanted to focus on. I didn't care how old she was or if she was some kind of hell princess. Yeah, and my father wants me to see humans as nothing more than animals. Her words gave her the burst of energy necessary to force open the door. Sunlight poured into the tunnel. Go! Hurry! She was grabbing her arm in visible pain. I reached my hand for Eliza. Come with me. I can't. Please! You don't belong here. I'll watch over you. I'll take care of you. She smiled at me. Her eyes sparkled with heavenly light. You're sweet. But right now, you need to run and don't look back. I nodded. Goodbye. No, not goodbye. Until we meet again. I watched as she closed the door. As soon as it shut, the wood began to decay. In a matter of seconds, all that remained was a pile of ash. Please, no! The gateway was no more. 
I feared I would never see Eliza again. Not at Walmart. Not ever. My heart was in pain. Then I got my first look at Olivia. If I was not a nurse by trade, I would have passed out. My sister had no face. It was as if someone had taken a blowtorch to her eyes, nose, and mouth. I could feel her breath on my neck as I carried her, but she had not spoken a single word. I laid her on the back seat of my car and drove to my father's house. She was still as a corpse for the entire 30-minute trip. I pulled into the driveway and glanced at my father's ring. It was still glowing. I held it to my chest with a glimmer of hope. Then I opened the door. The smell was unmistakable. I didn't even bother to check his bed. My father was dead. I pulled out my phone to call 911, but fell to my knees as I looked at the date. I had been gone for nearly a week. My mind was racing as to the horrible nature of my father's death. Seizure? Starvation? I almost forgot about my mutilated sister. Eventually, my hands became steady enough to dial 911. I managed to convince the police I found my sister's body abandoned in a field, the possible victim of a hate crime. She was taken to the hospital. Over the next year, I worked on settling my father's estate. With my inheritance, I transferred Olivia to a psychiatric hospital in California. With a stellar letter of recommendation from my superiors, I was able to land a nursing position in the same hospital. For the last six years, my life has been devoted to working and watching over my sister. I bounced between the pediatric ward and maternity ward. I took pride in working with children, each one of them a miracle. During my lunch breaks, I checked in on Olivia. She still had her hearing and sense of touch with her remaining limbs. With the help of a great team of doctors, she was learning how to communicate, even making friends. I was hopeful that someday she might even be able to live a normal life. Or perhaps that was my wish for my own life. After a 10-hour workday, I would go home to my studio apartment and sleep until my next shift. I had no friends, no family, and no hope. I ate lunch alone every day in the cafeteria, eating the sandwich I brought from home. No point in spending a lot of money. I kept to a moderate budget, dividing my income to pay for Olivia's care, my food, and rent. Whatever was left over went into my retirement account. That was the goal. To work until I was too old, then maybe travel the world. I would love to work for an organization like Doctors Without Borders, helping children in third-world countries, perhaps once Olivia was independent enough to move into a live-in facility. All I had were my dreams. In my dreams, I had Eliza. I would call her Azzy, and we would live in a big apartment somewhere in Europe. I knew so little about her, but I could never forget her. One day she appeared. I spotted her in the cafeteria. A girl with eyes the color of the brightest day and hair the color of the darkest night. She was sitting in the corner, staring out into the crowd as she sipped a can of Sprite elegantly with a straw. She was maybe five, six, with plump, glossy lips the color of cinnamon candy. The girl looked up at me, 
Our eyes met, and she smiled. My heart was in my throat as I walked over. Hi, this might sound odd, but you remind me of someone I knew a long time ago. Hi, Johnny, she said. Her voice was mature and seductive, but with the same childlike innocence. Eliza? She nodded, batting her long eyelashes. It's me. I, I can't believe it. How did you escape? How did you find me? She licked her lips and motioned for me to pull up a seat next to her. I earned it. You earned it? I asked. I earned it with my freedom and with my beauty, she said in a haunting whisper. Then I tracked you here, she added, her voice returning to normal. How? I didn't have any social media accounts since there was no one I wanted to follow or stay in touch with. Your parents, she answered. They're very happy where they are. Oh, and your dad told me to tell you he's proud of you. Okay. I would be lying to say I wasn't nervous. What exactly was she? With a coy smile, Eliza slipped me a plain white envelope. For you. Inside was a necklace with a leather pendant. Do you like it? she asked. I turned the pendant over. It wasn't leather at all. It was skin, a piece of dried flesh tattooed with the letter V. I love it. I looked at Eliza. What once was a caterpillar was now the most beautiful, powerful butterfly. And I love you. I love you too, she said with a giggle. Do you have a place to stay? I've actually been living out of my car. <laughs> Your car? <laughs> a Honda Civic. Just enough room for my entire life, she chuckled. Now, she was the one who looked nervous. I, I kind of bet the farm on you still wanting to see me. I mean, it's been six years. You could have been married with a kid. What do you mean by bet the farm? I was curious to know just how she carried off her past. Eliza shrugged. I have some money saved up. My plan was to enroll at the local community college. That's cool, I chuckled to myself. Well, for me, the last few years have been devoted to Olivia. I glanced at my watch. Oh, I'm supposed to check in with her. Now? Eliza asked. Yeah, she's getting assigned a new therapist. I promised her I'd check in during my break. Great! I'd love to finally meet her, Eliza stood up. She wore a modest green tank top paired with dark denim jeans. Sure, I mean, if you're done eating. I had not eaten my sandwich yet, but I figured I could do so on my next break. I held Eliza's hand in the elevator as we went to the psychiatric ward. She leaned her head on my shoulder. Her hair smelled like roses. We walked arm in arm to the ward where I introduced Eliza to the nurse Becca at the reception desk. The older woman greeted Eliza, then quickly pulled me to the side. You need to get in there. The new therapist is some kid straight out of school. All she does is go on smoke breaks. I can't believe the hospital would hire someone so incompetent. Is that her? Eliza asked, motioning toward the nearby patio. On the opposite side of the glass door stood a young female doctor with long red hair. She was smoking a cigarette. She's pretty, 
Eliza muttered under her breath. Yeah, that's about all she is, Nurse Becca groaned. All she does is complain nonstop about having to work in a freak show. Eliza gave a look of disgust. She's a doctor. Becca rolled her eyes. Dr. Elena Ryan. Her goal is to transfer into sports medicine. Spend all day working with beautiful people. I threw up my hands in frustration. I'm going to go check on Olivia. I walked away to Olivia's room. She was sitting in her rocking chair, listening to something on her iPad while wearing a plain white mask that covered her entire face. I tapped her shoulder to get her attention. Where did you get the mask? Olivia flipped the iPad over to a braille keyboard. I watched her type her answer. Dr. Ryan said I had to wear it if I ever wanted to be let back into society. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had gotten used to her face or lack of one. The rest of the world could easily do the same. You don't have to wear that if it's uncomfortable. Thanks, she wrote. I watched as she removed the mask. The scar tissue had mostly healed. The current state of her face was smooth like plastic. No eyes or nose or lips. Her mouth was still present. A gaping hole with big teeth, no tongue. Suddenly, Eliza appeared. I noticed she was running her fingers through her hair. With every stroke, her dark locks sparkled. Hello, Olivia, she said as she approached my sister without fear or hesitation. Eliza touched her hand to Olivia's face. I'm Eliza. We've met before. She placed a hand on Olivia's head, forcing her to bow. Eliza then bowed her own head, their foreheads pressing together. For a moment, their dark hair seemed to flow into one mass of shadow. Much better, Eliza said, taking a step back. I rushed to my sister's side. Olivia? My sister's head was still leaning forward. She was making strange sounds like weeping. With her one prosthetic hand, she brushed the hair from her face to reveal an actual face, eyelashes, a nose, and actual lips. But something seemed off. Olivia opened her eyes. They were green. My sister never had green eyes. Her new eyes blinked rapidly as if trying to get used to the sensation of light. She stood up and walked towards the sink, her hands reaching towards the mirror. She gasped, but no words came out of her mouth. Sorry, Eliza said, biting her lip nervously. I couldn't figure out how to grab you a new tongue. I'll work on that. But do you like the eyes? I think they look good on you. The question was posed so casually as if she was referring to a pair of earrings or a necklace. Olivia nodded, a smile gracing her new lips. I'm glad. Eliza took a seat, looking out of the window with the bright afternoon sun. So, Johnny, what time do you get off? Seven, I replied. Can I hang out with Olivia until then, she asked. Actually, you can make a copy of my house keys. Then we can meet up for dinner. I took my keys from my pocket and pulled the door key and gate key from the ring. I knew my landlord would pitch a fit about me being in violation of my lease, but my new girlfriend could communicate with the dead and 
Grant sight to the blind. I think my landlord would just have to deal with it. As I placed the keys in Eliza's hand, she sprang up, cupped my face, and kissed me. Her lip gloss tasted like cotton candy, and her eyes, the look in her eyes filled my heart with joy. She was an angel. Let me walk you to your car, I said to her. Olivia, I'll be right back. Olivia didn't respond. She was too captivated by her new gift of sight. I walked with Eliza to the main elevators, but as we passed the glass door of the patio, my eyes drifted. Dr. Ryan, the woman with the red hair, was no longer smoking a cigarette. She was slumped on the ground, her body twitching. The medical professional in me wanted to check on her. Eliza gripped my hand. She placed a finger to her lip to say, Shh, as she walked me to the window. With our backs pressed against the wall, we peered around the corner. I could clearly see the woman's face was covered in large amounts of blood. I was horrified, but Eliza was giggling. Be careful who you call ugly, she said like a typical 18-year-old. She was ecstatic and proud. What have you done? What? Dr. Ryan was a conceited bitch. People like her don't deserve beauty. You sound like your father. No, I don't. He took beauty from... Your father took beauty from people who he considered unworthy. I turned to walk towards the elevator. The only difference between you and him is that your father created that underground caterpillar thing. I didn't even know if it was true. Did Eliza inherit her father's kingdom? Eliza followed me, arms crossed. I'm sorry. I just wanted to help Olivia. Plus, she wasn't exactly human. What? Eliza flashed her wrists. There was a tattoo of a letter A. We all have letters. She has one too. Who is we? The beautiful ones. The people like me. I'm not proud of what I am. I just hope you can see past my ugliness. I knew she was telling the truth. I'm sorry I compared you to your father. Eliza held my hand, leaning her head on my shoulder. It's okay. To say I was not afraid would be a lie. Loving her would be like loving a live grenade. Why a letter A? My new name? Azzy. Now I was the one smiling. Caterpillar, Part 2, by Miss Paint Dordan. Well, folks, that's our story tonight. Rothrick and I hope you enjoyed it. We sure had a great time bringing it to you, and we really appreciate you listening. Tune in next week when we bring you another chilling tale from the dark chamber. And just a note, if you're an aspiring author and you want your story read here on Tales from the Dark Chamber, send us a note at talesfromthedarkchamber at gmail.com. If it creeps old Rotherick out enough, we'll air it. And subscribe to our podcast for notification of our next new episode or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Tales from the Dark Chamber and follow us on Instagram or Twitter. If you want your story read for your own use, or you just want to have it, check out my website at woodygvoiceover.net. You can order there, or you can find me on Upwork as Woody G. And again, thank you for listening tonight.